Hey, this is Ben Malcolmson, Coach Pete Carroll's assistant up with the Seattle Seahawks. You are listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart. Awesome. So today, as you hear, my guest is uh, Ben Malcolmson. I, I've heard of Ben for years. We have some mutual friends that worked at USC and, and that I worked with, and, and Ben did as well. Uh, ben went to SC in the mid-2000s. He has an amazing story. You, um, we'll put in the notes on for the, for the podcast here today when you see this, a little bit about his story and probably a link to one or two of the YouTube videos where he's had a chance to speak at a couple of churches uh, all over, I'm guessing. Not, probably not just up in the Northwest, but probably predominantly up there because that's where you live. Um, he was a walk-on at USC, and there's a tremendous story you're going to hear today as well. For about the last 13 years or so, he's worked, for, as he mentioned, Coach Pete Carroll, formerly USC's head coach and now the legendary NFL coach for the Seahawks. Uh, he's a highly sought-after speaker. He speaks at churches and businesses and really any group that wants to be inspired. Uh, that, that story of that person that does something that, you know, all of us have a story of something that we've done where we didn't think we could do it. And Ben certainly has that story as well. So I'm excited, Ben. Welcome to From the Heart. Thank you with all that's going on and and coming close, hopefully, to an NFL football season. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. How are you doing this morning? Oh, doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Ed. It's so good to be with you. So good to meet you. Yeah, you as well. I've, like I said, I've heard your name a lot. I listen to a lot of sports talk radio. And I think when you were at USC is probably when you came into my radar. Like I said the other day when we spoke, I probably was part of the crowd that was chanting to get you in the game and so forth. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. So... You know, before we really go into that story, and I certainly would love to hear as much of that as you would like to share, and I certainly want our, our, our listeners and viewers to get to know you and your story, what is the executive assistant to Pete Carroll or the personal assistant? What's a day in the life? And I'd just like to hear, how did that evolve? So I know you did the job for him at SC when you graduated, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, Seattle. it's been a crazy journey. And, and that's the funny thing is there's not a normal day. There's not a day in the okay. life. It's, you wake up and you really have no idea what's going to happen that day. So um, every day is, uh, it can throw you every which way. You know? it's yeah. just, it's, and it's kind of the nature of Coach Carroll. I, I, if anyone's watched any Seahawks games or know who Pete Carroll is, you see him jump around the sidelines, <laughs> chewing gum. And I was going to say chewing gums. Yeah, you probably <laughs> keep a supply of gum in your pocket, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, at all yeah. times. And yeah. uh, I mean, he's a kid at heart. He's got energy, just boundless. So um, that, that – trickles over into my job and I'm, I'm getting left, right, up, down. You, you don't know which way we're going, but it's, it keeps, keeps me on my toes and it's a blast. And he's an amazing person to work with. And uh, I learned so much from him. And he's just, he's an incredible leader, incredible coach. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity. How did that come about? So you finish up at SC and again, we're going to spend the bulk probably of our time hearing your story. And it's, like I said, it's just incredibly inspiring. But I'd be curious how you evolved into working for him at SC and then the conversation when you found out he was going to Seattle. Did he say, hey, if I go to Seattle, you're coming with me or got the job and then said, hey, would you consider coming to the Northwest? How did that evolve? Yeah, so I, I worked for him at USC for three years uh, right when I was done playing. So I was started when I was 21 and uh, for three years I was doing uh, online media stuff. So it was kind of the – he was at the cutting edge. He was right on, on the, the cusp of social media and – he was one of the first celebrities on social media and yeah. um, we had a blog going that just kind of took off and, and got a lot of attention and we just were right place at the right time. And with my background, I was a writer, a uh, journalism student at USC that we'll, we'll get into that story. But um, 
I had all this experience of writing and put it together on this website and that kind of formed our relationship and, and developed our friendship. And he just took such an interest in it and uh, actually moved my desk to be literally right outside his office door. So, I mean, he would, he would walk by dozens of times a day and just be so intrigued and so interested. And, and because of that, our friendship grew. And, and so when he took the job with the Seahawks early 2010, um, it was like a couple of days after the New Year's, New Year's Day, um, he called me before there was even like a report out of Pete Carroll going to the Seahawks, yeah. according to sources or whatever, I get this call from coach and he's like, Hey, I, I got this offer from Seattle. I think I'm going to take it. What do you think? And I was so shocked because I thought he was going to become the John Wooden of college football. You know, I yeah. thought he was going to stay at USC and mm -hmm. go on and win several more championships. And I mean, they, the USC had once like seven straight Pac-10 championships at that point. You know, it's just like yeah, that's what USC run. was University of Seven consecutive, right? That was, that was <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, it was just this incredible run, and he was lining up to be the next John Wooden um, yeah. for college football. That's that, that's at least what my th thoughts were. And so when he's like, "What do you think?" I was like, "Oh man, like this kind of is earth shattering, you know." Have I thought, you all take me with you, kind of line type. Of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I love SC, you know, right. and I still yeah. do, and, and I, I I love that place, and I love Los Angeles, I love Southern California, and yeah. I mean, can't beat the weather, can't beat no. uh, seventy degrees in January, you know. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I was I was startled, you know, and, I, and Seattle, the Seahawks weren't that good, you know. So I was like, why do you, why would you want to go to a really crummy football team? Because all the rumors, you know, years prior was maybe the 49ers because he's a Barry yeah. guy. And I know that that, you know, at least from what I know from being a sports fan, that that was somewhat on the radar maybe prior to that a little bit. But exactly, I had a conversation yeah. with him. I told you the other day, I had a chance a couple of times to go out to the practice field with some clients when I was working there. And I had an opportunity to, to chat with Coach after a practice, you know, a lot of kids around and signing autographs and so forth. And, and I said, um, coach, any truth to rumors? He goes, where else am I going to go? You kidding me? And then, you know, <laughs> so obviously I know the offer had to be perfect and it had to be just the perfect storm for him to yeah. go. To Seattle. So, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, yes. me, sorry. yeah. So then he's like, Hey, I think I'm going to take it. And I was like, man, you're missing out on this golden opportunity, you know, to, to be the, the John Wooden of college football. And so I, we, we were in disagreement there and he's like, he calls me a couple hours later. He's like, yeah, I'm taking it. I want you to come up with me. And I was like, I'm going to have to think about that one. Cause I really yeah. love USC. I love LA yeah. and uh, I didn't want to leave. And so he, he took off and he proceeded to call me once a week for the next uh, couple months. Oh, wow. <laughs> it took that long for you to finally decide, huh? Yeah. And he's a good recruiter and eventually got me to come up and, I'm, I flew up to Seattle uh, in March, uh, so two months after he took the job, and it was classic Seattle day, you know, 40 degrees, rainy, yeah. miserable. Uh, how could anyone want to live here? Yeah, and, how could you pass that up, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming from LA, of all places. Yeah. And uh, I got off the plane, and I just had this sense I, I had to do it. I just had to go. And I took the job, moved up a week later, and... Wow. Um, all the incredible experiences since then. I mean, it's obviously it was the right decision. And I'm so thankful. Awesome. Now this whole podcast won't be about Pete Carroll, I promise you, but <laughs> can, you, can you, I mean, obviously, you know, whether you're a USC guy or not, and you're any, you know, even on the, on the fringes of being a sports fan, most people are pretty familiar with coach Carroll. What can you tell us about the man that maybe we don't see on the sidelines or we don't see in the sports pages or we don't see on Sunday watching the games? 
What's uh, and I know you work for him, and I know it's going to be great because he's a great guy. But are there any stories or things that, you know, if you were to stand up at a at a banquet and they say, "I need one Pete Carroll story that nobody knows," <laughs> have you thought about that at all, or where might you go? Oh man, uh, I mean, I, there's some things you can tell. Yeah, off we, the record. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't go there. We're yeah. on the record here. We are so. <laughs> recording. So yeah, don't go there. Yeah, I want to be that. But, uh, but I'll, I'll leave that for uh, for the memoir down the road or something like that. Go. But uh, man, I just I appreciate his consistency. I mean, it's the the thing about him is people always ask like, is he really the way he is? Like the way you see him on TV, the way you see him in interviews, and he's so consistent. He's the same person day in and day out. And it's, it's just crazy how he's, he's now 68. He's a, wow. a month, a month from being 69 and he is more youthful than ever. He's bouncing around, he's jumping around. He's, he just, he can't, he's relentless. You know, he just keeps going and going and going. And I just love that kind of childlikeness about him that sure. even at that age, he's still curious. He's got this sense of wonder. Um, he, he doesn't have the sense of, man, I got it made. I'm good to go but he's just constantly trying to learn and soak things up, um, have fun. There's a joy about him. Um, man, I, and uh, he loves, he, he's like my, my identity. I'm a competitor. That, that's really what he stands for. And I mean, the, the Seahawks are all about competition. One of the slogans is always compete. Always compete right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's competition kind of what, Tuesday was the big, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. there's competition Wednesday up in Seattle now. Okay. And, Um, so it's, it's a huge part of it and it's, it flows out of him. That's who he is. He's, he's a competitor. And so, I mean, we'll, we'll have competitions all the time. Like a couple years ago, we were going through the airport and he wanted to compete of who could get through the security line faster. Of course. So, so we're going, so he, he picks, he picks his line. I pick my line. Um, I had an advantage though because he had just gotten his knee replaced, so he had a bunch of metal in his. There knee. you go. He had, he was going to get stopped and wandered. He got the extra there. screening. Yeah. I beat yeah. him, and I uh, still hold it over him today. So. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So it sounds like you've got the, the friendship. Certainly, there's a, a boss relationship, of course, and you're very respectful of that. But it sounds like he's just a, a joy to be around and to work with. And one of the, you know, we all have been around that person that when they walk in the office, it lights up. And I, I get that impression that that's not only just how you see him, but that that is really how he is. It's his true essence. Yeah. I mean, he just yeah. carries himself with this enthusiasm and this energy. Um, and it's crazy because he doesn't drink caffeine. Really? Um, it's like, you'd think he would just be drinking coffee all the time. Yeah. Or down at Red Bulls or of, yeah. Red Bulls. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he is just, it's just part of his nature and it's who he is. And, and to be so consistent to that, I mean, he's the same way whether we win or lose um, yeah. on Mondays or Sundays or Tuesdays, whatever, you know, he's going to be that same enthusiastic, energetic person. It's a gift to the people around us. Yeah. What would you say is the best thing about working for him and just working for the Seahawks in general? Oh, man. Um, I, I love um, just that he's so sure of who he is and what he stands for. Um, so no matter whether we're facing a challenge or whether we've reached the mountaintop, um, he's going to go back to his true identity. He's going to go back to, to the essence of who he is and what he truly believes in. Yeah. And those being consistent to your beliefs, um, not just for who he is and how he operates as a human being, as a coach, but also for our team. He set up these belief structures for our team so that we know exactly what we're trying to do, what we're trying to be day in and day out. And that to be clear and consistent with that is so powerful because then it gives people a vision to be like, okay, that's what I'm trying to become. That's how we're trying to operate. 
and people can go do that then instead of being nebulous, instead of being kind of inconsistent of what your expectations are, it's clear every single day. Um, and he, he does such an incredible job of communicating that. Yeah. And he speaks very highly of you too. I've not spoken with him about you, but I've seen videos and so forth of, you know, just, I think there was a short YouTube video I saw recently where he was interviewed and talking about you. And it's very obvious at the respect level, and he would probably say very similar things about you. And that's probably why he wanted to bring you with him. And hard to believe probably for you that you've been up there for 10 years already. <laughs> Seriously. Well, it, it's been really fun. I mean, we definitely have a synergy and yeah. Um, there's definitely a synchronicity and, and kind of like a mind meld where I'll be thinking of something and then we'll be on the phone or, or face to face, whatever. And he'll, he'll mention the same thing. It's like, wait, I was literally just working on that or thinking about that. And, and there's that kind of synergy that goes on, but it's also, it's interesting too, cause we're, we're very opposite in a lot of ways too. I mean, um, he's very extroverted, like loves being with people just, non-stop energy and I'm, I'm a lot more introverted hmm. um and I, I don't know you know the myers-briggs test oh yeah um you're vnfp and you're istj or something right Completely. yeah we're, we're exact yeah. opposites yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah. isfj and he's whatever the opposite is so, yeah, exactly yep, no <laughs> just, doubt. yeah it's it's just it's so funny how uh, we can work so well together but be so different yet so alike at the same time so it's it's been an incredible journey obviously he's had a huge impact on me. I mean, sure. There's, there's a reason why we've worked together for so long and, and why I've become the person I am today is because he's rubbed off on me a lot of ways, like iron sharpens iron. And Absolutely. Um, he's, he's had a huge, huge impact on my life. So he's 68, as you mentioned, he's not going to coach forever. They say that most coaches are hired to get fired. I don't know if that's necessarily true with him, but at some point he's going to come into you and say, Hey, I'm thinking this will be my last season or, you know, hey, this last season we just had, I'm going to hang it up. What's next for you at that point? <laughs> That's the, yeah. the million dollar question right there. And, yeah. Uh, it's something that I've, I've pressed into for many, many years. Sure. And what is next, you know? And the, the lesson I keep coming back to is what's next is today. You know, just take care of today. Yeah. Um, I, I, just, I just need to keep putting one foot in front of another and just take the next step. And that's going to lead to whatever's next. Um, sports, as you know, Ed, is, is so volatile. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, especially you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, seriously, yeah. we have no idea what's going to happen. But I mean, coaches can, can have tremendous success and they have one bad year and they're gone, you know, yeah. and yeah. Um, just sports is so up and down. And, and I've really learned over the years, like I can't, I can't hold on to something five years down the road or 10 years down the road. It's, right. I got to make the most of today and, and trust and know that it's going to turn into something great because these last, 14 years have proven that, that if I just keep taking one step at a time, it's going to turn into something great and just make the most of today and, and take that next step. And it always turns out to be way better than I could even imagine myself. I hear your, your Christian faith coming out in, in, in waves <laughs> as you're talking, because you know, you and I have similar beliefs. Um, so let's go to that a little bit. So <clears throat> a lot more questions I could go into, but I really want to get to the core of, of what drew me to talking with you. So just a little bit of background, um, you know, you were working or you were at USC, you were writing for the Daily Trojan. Um, why don't you just kind of start taking us through that story? And I might interject with some questions. I might just let you go. But I'd love to just kind of hear that story about, you know, the, the story that you were writing about the, the tryouts and then your decision to walk on and then where that went. And I just really would like our listeners to, to hear it from you. And like I said, I might jump in with some questions from time to time. Yeah, so I went to USC just as a normal student, just trying to find my way. 
and I uh, changed my major like four times my freshman year. I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do in life. And um, I stumbled into journalism because I wanted to be close to sports. Um, and I loved watching ESPN. I loved reading the sports section back when newspapers were a lot bigger deal and back when people actually had newspapers delivered yeah. on their, their driveways. So um, I would start off every day reading the sports section in the newspaper and loved watching sports center and, it was just, it became a passion of mine. So it hit me, well, why don't I go try to be a sports writer myself? And I could go get as close to sports as possible because I wasn't good enough to play sports anymore. So did you um, play like in high school, play baseball? I know you didn't play football. I know that you played. When yeah. You I, grade, I, I was a really good runner in high school. So I just focused on cross country and track, um, which isn't much of a sport. You know, <laughs> I wish I played a team sport or not, but, yeah. um, but I grew up as a kid playing every sport. Um, and so I, I wasn't good enough to keep playing when I got to high school. I was in a really big high school and you had to kind of pick one sport to focus on. So, sure. um, so I was in college and I stumbled into journalism and get assigned to go write for the daily Trojan, the student newspaper there at USC as part of my journalism major. And, um, they assigned me to cover women's volleyball and I didn't know much about volleyball, but I was going to figure it out and, mm -hmm. uh, just try to, to make it work. Yeah. And a couple weeks into being on that beat, they asked if I wanted to cover the football team instead. And that was right at the start of the glory years of USC. It yeah, was that didn't first... take long for you to say yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was saying yes very quickly because yeah. I love football and, and just the That didn't take you a couple of months, like moving. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably pretty quick. It was it was very quick, yeah. So I, my first day out at the covering the football team, I'm, I'm there as kind of a wide-eyed sophomore in college. First day on the beat of covering the football team, I'm out of practice. Mm -hmm. And I, I went up and I introduced myself to the beat writer for the LA Times, who I idolized, you know, because he got to write in the, the newspaper, the LA Times, you yeah. know, and so I, I went job. up, yeah, I went up and shook his hand. I was like, his name is Gary Klein. And I was like, Gary, um, I'm Ben. I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm, I'm the new beat writer for the Daily Trojan. He just, he took an interest in me right away and was just so kind. Awesome. And that, that, that first day he's like, okay, so Coach Carroll's going to come up at the end of practice and we're going to have a little scrum of media and you can ask him any question you want, but before anyone asks any questions, you should go up and introduce yourself to him. Just kind of make that connection right away. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no I can't do no, that. That's Coach Curl. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah. There's no way I can't do that. And he's like, no, you should do it. It'd be good for you. So I just, I, I went up when, when practice ended, I went up and I extended my hand and said, Hey coach, I'm Ben Malcolmson. I, I'm the new beat writer for the daily Trojan just want to introduce myself and who would have thought that that was the start of something that would last 15 plus years. And so, um, and that's all thanks to Gary for giving me that nudge and, uh, that started a really cool friendship with Gary. I'm still in touch with Gary today. It was an incredible mentor for me. And during those years of covering the football team. Um, and so for those next three years from sophomore, junior, senior year, I got to cover the USC football team, the number one team in the country, 34 straight wins from that point on. Um, you're the good luck charm <laughs> not quite because <laughs> yeah. they because we ended up losing to texas in that championship game yeah so. i have nightmares about that game still <laughs> probably not like you do but i can remember yeah where it was and oh yeah up by oh yeah four plus minutes to go and oh. yeah, we had it locked up yeah right? oh yeah I remember those days that game yeah game. so that um 
that was an incredible time of just my college experience was going to every single home and away game. I went to two Heisman Trophy ceremonies. Um, that was my job in college, and I was so fortunate. I was yeah. living the dream. You know, it, it couldn't have gotten any better. And so I was gearing up to graduate my senior year and was going to go be a sports writer at some podunk newspaper somewhere, cover high school sports and work my way up. And yeah. was about to graduate. I was going to write my final story for the Daily, for the daily Trojan. And I uh, saw an ad in the, in the Daily Trojan saying that there were walk-on tryouts coming up for the football team. And so I, I was like, well, I should do a story on these walk-on guys, these, these guys trying out to, to be a walk-on on the football team. So I started interviewing some guys and was getting some really cool content for this article but then it hit me well I could take it to the next level by going through the tryout myself kind of getting a first person perspective bringing people on the inside and it'll be a total joke yeah it'll be a total joke because 160 pounds hadn't played football since fifth grade this is the number one team in the country and I'm just doing this tryout for an article you know (laughs) it was going to be a total joke so I go through the tryout and get my butt kicked um but it was an incredible experience I mean I, I got to try out for the top ranked football team yeah even just to do that you know what a I story know. just i got to try out yeah did you have yeah. any conversations with pete during that time yeah it was right before the tryout i, I went up and i because we had gotten to know each other over those years of right. me covering the team and i was like hey coach I'm, i want to work on this story for walk-up tryouts and i want to go through the tryout myself um, just bring people on the inside and he laughed at me and he said well it's it's not very interesting but sure if you want to do it go for it and so it was kind of, that was kind of my motivation. I was like, well, I got to make it interesting, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so so I, it, I went home that night after the tryout and it was, it was a story of a lifetime. I couldn't have imagined a better was story. It on, was it at Howard Jones Field or was it in the college? Yeah, it was right at Howard Jones Field, the practice yeah. field there at USC. Yeah. And, um, it, it was going to be, it was literally my best story I could have ever imagined. You know, I, I, I couldn't wait to write it and put the finishing yeah. touches on it. And I had a couple of days to work on it. So I, went to bed that night and couldn't wait to finish it off. And I woke up the next morning with a phone call from a lady saying I made the football team at USC. <laughs> and that was my reaction too. I laughed. Where's the camera, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this has got to be a joke. It's a prank call or something. And uh, she's like, no, your name's on the list. You got to come in and check in. So I hopped on my bike, pedaled as fast as I could over the football building. But I was like, Pete Carroll's pulling a prank on me. This, there's no way this is real. Yeah. And I'm walking to the football office and there's Coach Carroll bouncing a basketball with a big old grin on his face. And I was like, Coach, good joke. Nice one. He's like, no, no, no. You can catch the ball. You can run fast. We want you on the team. Are you in? And my jaw dropped. My heart stopped. You know, I was like, no way. Here's the best football coach in the country at the time telling me that I could play football. You know, there's no way. I hadn't played football in 11 years. This is I mean, crazy. you're probably thinking I couldn't walk on the junior college team and make it. No way. Like, I couldn't walk on the mic. When you got home that night, the night before that call, yeah. I wanted to ask you this since I've heard your story. Did you have any inkling at all? I did pretty well there. There's an outside chance of this. I saw the other guy. <laughs> I'm just as good. Did you have any of that at all? Well, I thought I did pretty well, especially considering I hadn't played, you know, but I was out there just letting loose. You know, I was just out there having fun. I had no pressure on me. Yeah. And I had you weren't no really team. trying to make the team. You were trying to write a story. No. Yeah. yeah. And I had no aspirations of trying to make the team. So there was no pressure at all. And I just was having fun and <laughs> trying to take mental notes for my article. And well, I got home that night and one of my friends was like, what if you actually make the team? <laughs> and I laughed at him because I was like, no, there's literally no chance. And he's <laughs> like, well, just, just think about it. Like what would happen? And I was like, no, it's not even something you can think about because yeah. it's just, 
like Ed, what if someone walked in and just handed you a million dollars? You yeah, know, it's like, gonna happen. Well, it it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice, but yeah, right. <laughs> but it's just, it's not going to happen. So it's just, that it's just not going to happen. And then I wake up the next morning, that phone call. So it's just, it was just one of those crazy, like turn of events, life, total flip. And then I'm, I'm all of a sudden a wide receiver on the football team. And Lane Kiffin is my wide receiver coach. And Steve Sarkeesian is the offensive coordinator. And, I'm getting yelled at by Ken Norton Jr. at practice. You know, nice. I, I grew up a, I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan idolizing Ken Norton Jr. And here he is yelling at me during practice. I'm like, this is crazy. So have any days leading into you know where we're gonna go with this in a little bit, where you wanted out, where you just thought this is too much, I can't do it. Or you just like, Oh, for sure. About this? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely the sense of um, this is bigger than me, that I'm I'm here for something bigger than just being a, a bit part on a football team. Cause I mean, there's a hundred guys on the team. I was definitely the hundredth guy, you know? <laughs> and so I, there was definitely this sense of purpose and a greater, a greater meaning to me being on the team that I felt almost from the beginning, but there were, I mean, my body was getting beat up. My body was not made for that. Yeah. I mean, I was, a, I was the smallest guy on the team. I was smaller than the kickers and the punters and <laughs> I was just getting abused. And I had a really severe shoulder injury that I had to get surgery for. Um, and I was breaking fingers left and right. I mean, I was just, I was getting concussions. And I mean, it was, it was not a pretty experience from the physical side. Um, but there was, again, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but um, I had this sense that I was there for a reason, that I was there for a purpose. And it was bigger than just putting pads on and, and being a tackling dummy. So um, I, I was pressing into that and that kind of carried me through on those dark days where I was seeing stars and, struggling to get out of bed in the morning, you know, I shouldn't do that. 21 year olds shouldn't have to struggle to get out of bed in the morning. So, right. yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, they so, do for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was definitely, there were a lot of ups and downs, um, but I knew that I was there for a reason. I knew I had a, a bigger purpose. So yeah. take me into the story now. So you fast forwarding a little bit and if I skip anything, please let's go back. But, um, you you talked about how you felt like there was a bigger purpose for why you were on the team and what you knew you weren't going to be, you know, the number one wide receiver at the Rose Bowl. I mean, that was, yeah. you knew yeah. that going in. Um, but you did feel like there was this higher calling or this higher purpose for why you were there. You started thinking about that. And I guess what you first did was you said, oh, hey, I'm going to do a, a prayer group or I'm going to do a Bible study. Can you take us through that yeah. a little bit as you yeah. try to identify what that purpose really is? Exactly. So I, I just felt like God had a purpose for me on that team, that, that he had something bigger than, than just me being a wide receiver on that team. And there was a reason I was there. There was a reason that that opportunity came up. And so I was pressing into it and I started a Bible study. I started a prayer group. No one came to either of them. I was the only one there. And so that was obviously discouraging and defeating. Um, I was just trying to be a good friend, trying to have good conversations with my teammates, but it's kind of hard to fast track friendship, um, yeah. especially when you're playing football all the time and in meetings all the time. It's just well, a lot of these guys played high school ball and Pop Warner together, so they've known each other. Exactly. Also yeah. That guy that, you know, 
Do yeah. you ever feel any resentment at all of like, hey, I busted my tail for all these years and now I'm here and you walked on and you're here? Did you ever feel that at all? No, I, I, there was definitely like some guys thought it was a joke. Like, oh, yeah. come on, you're, you're like the newspaper guy, you know, <laughs> like you shouldn't yeah, be here, exactly. especially when they see how small I was, you know. <laughs> so probably Some guys to that point probably still thought you're just here to write a story. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, what are you trying to expose? Like all that, but pretty quickly, I mean, coach does such an incredible job of creating a family environment and just a, a very a sense of belonging on the team. So it was pretty quick where I, I was one of the guys, you know, and, and that's, that's all credit to coach Carroll and the, the quality people that he brings around. So um, very fortunate for that, but it was still hard because you can't just fast track friendship, you know, it, it right. takes time. And, um, and so I'm, I'm getting defeated left and right. And maybe I don't have a purpose on this team. And there was a, a, on the side, there was a group of students that started a campaign, get Ben in and they made t-shirts and they made posters and just created all this stir around campus, get Ben in. They were chanting in the student section during games and all that. So as that's going on, like, well, maybe that was my purpose. Maybe it was just to be like a little inspiration, like, you know, just a little cute story to inspire people. Kind of like you were saying before, before we came on, you know, you were there after Reggie Bush was there, but there was speculation at this point about sanctions maybe coming, but before any of those came. So you were probably also giving kind of a boost to the morale of, of, I mean, I'm a USC guy. I, I might've been in the stadium chanting, get Ben in. This was seven years ago. So I, I don't remember 11 minutes ago. But very possible. I could have been with my kids there chanting for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, maybe that was my purpose and, and just being that, that kind of thing. And, um, but we make it through, I, I get into the game against Notre Dame, last play of the game, and that was incredible. But I still felt like there was a greater purpose. I still felt like, okay, that wasn't it. Like, I felt like God had me there for something else. And I was reading in the Bible and in the book of Isaiah, it says, if my word goes out, it does not return empty. And so I, it hit me in that moment that God's word is so powerful that, that if it goes out, if it, it's put out there, it's going to achieve a purpose. That It's not going to come back empty. And so it hits me, well, I'm going to put a Bible on every single one of my teammates' lockers because wow. I, I'm going to take that literally, you know, like I'm going to yeah. put God's word out there and it's not going to return empty. And my, my grandfather helped out and bought a hundred Bibles for me and he was all excited about the idea. And I went in the middle of the night, placed a Bible in every single one of my teammates' lockers and I couldn't wait to get there the next day and see my purpose finally come to fruition. Everybody's reading the Bible and on their knees and everything. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I was expecting like the hallelujah chorus to be sung (laughs) by my teammates, you know, so I I was so fired up. (laughs) Gold light emanating from the locker room, you know, so, um, but I walk in and the Bibles are just shredded all over the floor. Just, it was, you couldn't even see the carpet. It was just shredded pages of Bibles everywhere and trash cans half full of Bibles. Did they know it was you? Because you'd approach them about Bible study and prayer group, you think that they... I mean, no, I don't know if anyone, no one, no one said anything. And it was just kind of like the joke of the day. Like, look at all these Bibles shoved all over the floor. Man, it was crushing because here I once again failed to find my purpose on this team. And and this was the last week we were together. This was right before the Rose Bowl. Okay. Um, so right at the end of the, the season, I'd run out of time, you know, my, my it, purpose. Right now it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I, I totally failed. And then we go, we win the Rose Bowl, incredible experience from a football perspective, but still I was missing my purpose. Yeah. And a few days after the game, I get a phone call that our kicker Mario had passed away yeah. and it was just 
the most tragic news. He was 21 years old. He had mysteriously fallen off a cliff in San Pedro. Right. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so, so hard to, to even make sense of, to, to deal with the loss of a friend at that age. And it's just, you can't even fathom it. And so we're there together as a team at his funeral, um, just kind of grieving together and weeping in the pews at this tiny little Catholic church in San Pedro. And uh, a bunch of our offensive linemen carries casket down the center aisle. And as this casket passes by, I look up and on top of this casket was the Bible that I'd placed in his locker. Wow. And it just felt like it was God's personal touch for me. You know, like it was God comforting me and encouraging me. And I was like, it was so shocking and so startling, but it just felt like such a God thing. Like God had seen me, even though I felt like a failure, God had seen me in it. And so it just gave me solace and, and helped me move through that that grief and Mario I know where the story goes but I'm going to ask the question because a lot of people listening don't but people might be thinking was Mario a believer and so this was just like how how, where did your brain go when you saw the bible on top of the casket yeah well I mean I I didn't unfortunately I didn't get to know Mario like on a super deep level but from what I could tell like I I mean he never showed up to my Bible study, you know, <laughs> like yeah, didn't show up never showed up. And I was like, yeah. dang, I was Probably having trouble waking up on that 20 minutes. Yeah. Trouble waking up for other reasons as we alluded to earlier. Yeah. And so I just, uh, like, I didn't know where he stood, but I mean, I, my mind went to worst case scenario and I'm like, yeah. man, but then when I see the Bible on top of his casket, it kind of gave me a glimmer of hope. And I was sure. like, maybe something happened. I don't know. I don't need to know the story, but something happened. Yeah. And, and whatever, God gave me that comfort in that moment. And I was just so thankful. And um, so then I start working at USC for those next couple of years. And then Pete takes a job in Seattle. I, I take a few months to make my decision. I move up and I moved up not knowing anyone other than Pete, but I stumbled into a ministry called Young Life, which is a high school mentorship program, um, faith-based program that's involved in a lot of public high schools. Um, and it's really big in Washington. And I, I get involved in this group because they're looking for volunteer leaders. And I show up at the first informational meeting for our volunteer leaders in this tiny little suburb outside Seattle. And a former teammate of mine walks through the doors. And I was like, wait, what the heck? His name is Taylor. He was our punter on the team. Somebody out of context. It's like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. It's exactly, we were a thousand miles from the last place we saw each other. And I didn't know he was living in Seattle. He didn't know I was living in Seattle. So we, we kind of forget the meeting and we're just catching up outside. We're like, like what's going on in life? And on top of all that, I mean, Taylor was like the party guy on the team. He was wild and, um, I was like, man, something, something's different about Taylor now because like, why is he volunteering with this faith-based organization? He just seems different. Like there's just a different spirit about him right now. And so I was about to ask him and he's, he's just up, starts opening up. He's like, dude, my life has totally turned around the last few years. And I was like, well, what happened? He's like, do you remember the last week we were on the team together? There were Bibles in all of our lockers. <laughs> hmm. <Yeah. laughs> no, so I don't my, remember that. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. My, my heart just drops because I'm like, man, I haven't thought about those Bibles since really sitting on top of Mario's casket yeah. four years earlier. And so I, I did that. I just played dumb. You know, I was like, oh, I kind of remember him. I don't know. And he starts to tell me that he grew up in a Christian home. He grew up going to church. But when he went to college, he was tired of religion. He was tired of rules. So he was going to go on and live life on his own terms. And he walks in, sees a Bible in his locker that day and kind of just rolls his eyes, throws it in the back of his locker, doesn't think much of it. And he's going out to the practice field that morning and he, he found his the last one in the locker room to go out. And he, 
hears a voice in the back corner of the locker room going, what is this? So he's confused. He thought he was the last one in there. He turns around, and there's Mario, our kicker, and Taylor being our punter. They were best friends. Taylor and Mario were inseparable. So Taylor screams across the locker room. There's Mario saying, what is this, holding a Bible? And Taylor screams across, Mario, come on, man. Have you never seen a Bible before? Hmm. And Mario's like, no, what am I supposed to do with this thing? And so Taylor said he felt this nudge on his heart to turn around and, and walk back and sit down next to Mario. And he said for the next 45 minutes, he took him through the Bible. So all those seeds that were planted in his life as a kid, going to youth group and church and from his parents, came out bearing fruit in that moment. And they missed half a practice that day. And Taylor was like, I just, we just got lost in the moment. And he was taking them through the Bible, saying every word and read the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who came to die to take your sins so, to make you right with God and to give you a relationship with God now and for eternity. And, I mean, Taylor's sharing the gospel with Mario. And Taylor hadn't been to church himself in years. He hadn't picked up a Bible himself. Well, what he's doing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's incredible. And so Taylor told me this story four years later and he's like, yeah, it was the weirdest thing because I mean, I didn't even know if I believed at that point and hearing all these words are coming out of my mouth. Hmm. Taylor said for the rest of that week leading up to the Rose Bowl, Mario couldn't put the Bible down. Every spare moment he had, he was reading the Bible, every bus ride, every few minutes between meetings, between practice. Mario just couldn't put it down. He was just soaking it up. You need to notice that because your, your, your mind has passed that experience now. And oh, yeah. I mean, my mind was distracted with discouragement. You know, I was just so buried and, and defeat and discouraged. I couldn't see beyond my own mess. You know, I was yeah. so defeated. I couldn't have seen that even if he was sitting in the locker next to me probably. So yeah. um, well, he's looking at the playbook or something. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And so Taylor said for the rest of that week, Mario could put it down. He started a relationship with God that week. And he wow. – his life transformed and there was something different about Mario. And this was days before he died. Yeah. So literally. then take literally days. And then Taylor gets the same phone call I did that, Hey, did you hear that Mario passed away? And they were, they were best friends. And so Taylor's obviously crushed with grief that his best friend died. But also in that moment, he was overcome by the power and the love of God, that God would reach Mario in his final days through a random Bible that was in his locker. So in that moment, obviously dealing with grief, but he's also encountering God in a new way. Yeah. And he commits his life to God in that moment. And he's like, yeah, my, my best friend just passed away, but God, you are real. Jesus, yeah. you are real. I want to follow you. And so he goes to the funeral. He sees the Bible on top of the casket. He's having these incredible experiences with God. And he's telling me this four years later saying, yeah, my life has not, not been the same since. I mean, God is so real. Jesus is real. I'm trying to, I want to follow him. I want to, I want to live my life for him because you can't deny the power of God after experiencing that. And it was all because of a random Bible in the locker. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. I know, and I'll, I'm on the verge of tears at this point. And I, I'm I've like, heard the story a few times and I'm already <laughs> fighting it just so you know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, Taylor, this is the craziest story I've ever heard. And it's even crazier because that random Bible was, a Bible that I had placed in the locker and all these years I thought I was a total failure. When did I you thought I, feel that you were the guy that placed that Bible or when yeah. did you know, same conversation? Had you yeah. Had? That same conversation. I was like, that, that was me Taylor. And we both just lost it in that moment yeah. to think that something that I thought was a total failure that God had used to save someone's life in the days before he was going to pass away, turn around someone else's life. And he's still to this day living for Jesus. And then, changed my life 
it's impacted your life. It's impacted the people's yes. lives who are listening right now. Absolutely. And back then when I see Bibles shredded up and thrown in the trash, I thought I was a total failure and look what God does. And this is our God, you know, <laughs> this, the ashes, as they say, right. It's amazing. And God is doing something in our days that we wouldn't believe. Even if we were told he truly does have a purpose for us, whether we can see it or not in the moment, whether it gets shredded in front of us or not, God has a purpose for us. And a lot of times we can't see it, but it's so real and it's so true. He has a purpose for us yeah. every moment. Quote that scripture for me. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Habakkuk. One yeah. Five. Habakkuk 1.5. Look at it on my wall over the top of me and I'm squinting. <laughs> yeah. Habakkuk. I got to tell you before you do, I'm going through some stuff in my career that's fantastic right now. There's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of, you know, with COVID and with all the, you know, the shift in how we do business now, I'm devastated by the tragedy and the economy and the loss of life and the illness and, and just so much that goes with it that it's almost hard for me to say this next sentence. <laughs> and that is, I've had so many opportunities come my way as a result of this. So when I first heard your story a couple months ago, I typed that up and I put it on my wall and it's been amazing how it's impacting me every day. I feel so wow. in me. So if you could share wow. it, yes. it's powerful for me. It's, it's real. So it's a Habakkuk 1.5. It's a tiny little book in the back, in the back of the Old Testament that uh, people just gloss over. I glossed over it until I heard this verse right in the middle of all this. It's look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am doing something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So if God would have gone back and told me ahead of time, hey, you're going to try out for the football team. You're going to make it. You're going to overcome injury. You're going to try to find your purpose. You're going to, it's going to feel like you're failing. You're going to deal with the death of a teammate. You're going to move to Seattle. You're going to find out that I did have a purpose for you all along. If you would have told me that ahead of time, I wouldn't have believed him. It would have rocked that's, your faith. You probably would have said, yeah, you're not real. There's no way. That's, that's Yeah, that's a joke. You know, <laughs> like there's no way. <laughs> And so, but that's God, you know, that's what he wants to do through each one of us is he wants to do something in our days that we would not believe even if we were told. And he does have a purpose for us, even when we can't see it in the moment, even when things are getting shredded up in front of us, when we are facing defeat and discouragement left and right, God does have a purpose. And that I hope encourages you, Ed. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. Yeah, because I, I'm the one who needs to hear it. I, every time I share this, I need to hear it more than anyone because Sure. Man, man, I'm sitting on a podcast. I'm talking to Ed, and it's a great time. But like, man, is this is this reaching anyone? But to know Ed that there's people listening right now that are being touched by the power of God right now, and yeah. they're being inspired and encouraged that they do have a purpose. And we can't see it because we can't see the people listening right now, and we can't yeah. see the ripple effects from there. But God is working, and that's just so powerful. And that and good on you, and props to you for for doing this podcast and for, for taking a stand and for letting your light shine because it's having an impact whether you can see it or not. When I don't, people have asked, why did you launch a podcast? And, you know, I have my reasons and it's never been about, you know, anything huge, but maybe this is it. Maybe there's one person that'll hear this. It'll be yeah. or whose life might be changed as a result. Yeah. Amen. Uh, so you're 21 years old. You place these Bibles. You're 21. Your friend Mario passes away. You're 25-ish, I'm guessing, when you get the the, the reunion with Taylor. Yeah. Um, you're in mid-30s now. I'm, I'm doing the math in my head. You're 34, 35 years old would be my... 35, yeah. 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 Um, I don't mean to ask this question the way I'm going to. How do you top that? I mean, how do you... How do you... How do you I mean, I guess you probably... And you're not looking to top that, and I understand that. 
but you're so lucky and blessed that at age 25, you had that experience that can really just map you the rest of your life if you hang on to it. Um, tell me how you've seen your story other than me, because you know, here we are today, as you alluded to. Are there, are there really any tangible results or things you've seen since as you've shared the story? Obviously, you met your wife, you've shared it with her, you've spoken in churches. Um, is there anything come up for you that where you've shared? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I, I've been able to share it in so many different places to different audiences all over the place. Um, and it's been such a cool journey because every time I share it, I feel like there's the presence of God in the room and people's hearts are being transformed because I think we're all starving for purpose. We're all starving for a greater meaning other than just getting through each day, you know, and just paying the bills and, and moving on. And, and there's got to be a greater purpose and there's got to be a connection to God and, and people resonate with the story. And I shared it at one church uh, five years ago now. And it was so it, it impacted one person so deeply that she was on vacation in San Diego and met a random person at a restaurant and started telling this person about this story. Wow. And that person whose name is Patty, middle-aged woman, she, she goes and Googles the, the story and okay. finds and goes and watches it, watches the, the sermon that I shared at that church for every day for seven straight days. Wow. And felt this nudge on her heart that she needs to tell me that I need to write this into a book. Hmm. So then she finds her way to the Seahawks switchboard, the operator at the Seahawks. They transfer her to my voicemail. I get this voicemail from a random lady in San Diego who tells me that she met a random person who had heard my story shared at a sermon in Seattle. And she's like, you, you need to write this into a book. And so I call her back, just like, thanks so much. You're not the first person who's told me that. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. And she's like, well, if there's anything I can do to support you, like, let me know. And she's like, I've, I've ghostwritten a few books before. Mm. And so if, if I can help in the process, whatever. So that started a friendship and she ended up becoming my ghostwriter for wow. the book. And two years after that phone call, a book came out. <laughs> and awesome. that book, it, it was a number one book in several categories on Amazon uh, when it came out. Um, that book has since been picked up by a film production company and they're in process to make that into a movie. So, I mean, all those things I could have never imagined, you know, mm -hmm. I could have never, ever imagined. And, and God's just getting started because he's just, he's got so many people he wants to reach um, on this earth and encourage and inspire and who knows where it's going to go. Um, and so I, I don't think of like, you went into college as a writer and little did you know that this <laughs> be what you and Patty were going to write. Seriously. It's unbelievable. And I, I, I don't think about like trying to top the top it or anything right. like that. I'm not trying to like outdo myself, but I just trust like he takes us from glory to glory. I mean, he's, he doesn't take us from like a really great thing to like, okay, now you're going to go take a step down here. He's always taken us from glory to glory. Where we need to be taken. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's something else great that's coming for all of us um and having that hope having that faith um and really placing that in front of us it, it, it happens you know like god god truly shows up when you look for him he's, he's what's, incredible. what's the name of the book and where do people find it now it's called walk on um mm -hmm. so obviously it's uh a shout out to being a walk on um yeah. being a walk on right receiver but it's also it's a double entendre it's it's an encouragement for all of us to walk on in our faith yeah. Just keep, keep walking on, um, whether you can see the results, whether you can see the fruits of your labor or not, just keep walking on. 
Mm-hmm. Keep taking those steps of faith. Keep listening to those nudges from God. Keep, keep doing whatever God's nudging you towards right now. Um, and just keep taking those steps of faith because it's taking you to something great. And so the, the book is called Walk On. It's available on Amazon. And then the movie, the current title is Walk On. Um, and I heard it's the same company that produced um, I Can Only Imagine, The Mercy Yeah, movie. yeah, the same producer from I Can Only Imagine, uh, The Mercy Me movie that came out uh, two years ago. And um, he's incredible, um, just incredible mind, incredible heart. And uh, COVID has obviously slowed things down with filming sure. that Hollywood's kind of shut down, but um, it's, it's going to happen and it's, it's really exciting. So That's awesome. Tell me about your wife. I, we haven't talked about her at all. I know that she's a pastor from what I saw in your bio. Yeah, yeah. What, what's her story? Well, it's funny. Um, so we, we got set up on a blind date um, from someone who was a Young Life leader at that very first Young Life wow. meeting that I was at. So there's a lot of reasons um, you needed to be at that meeting. Right <laughs> that meeting was a very powerful meeting. Yeah, so, yeah, so seven years after that meeting, I get a Facebook message from her saying, hey, this is really random, but I just met this, this girl named Brittany. And I feel like you two need to meet. And wow. I had been set up on so many blind dates at that point because I was, I was in my, I was 31 or whatever. And, oh, you're um, an old man, 31 and not married. I know, wow. I know, I was old. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but I was like, I just it felt different. This this one felt, this just felt different. And so I, I reached out to Brittany and we went on a date. And then uh, three months later, we were engaged. And, wow. uh, <laughs> And here we are two plus years into marriage and it's been amazing. She's a, a pastor for college students at a local church. Um, just has an incredible heart and uh, incredible person. So I'm just so oh, fortunate. That's awesome. That's, I love hearing those stories. So let me kind of go full circle here. I know there's so many more places we could go, but <laughs> kind of going back to Pete for a minute and this story. Pete knows your story. He knows your background. He knows your faith. I don't know anything about Pete and his faith. You obviously do. How has how do you know from evidence or conversation maybe with him or others, how has your story impacted him? Not just hypothetically what you think, but just what, what have you heard or what, what does he, cause he, he knows you wrote a book. He's probably read the book or has a copy of it. I'm, I would have yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's my biggest fan and I mean, he wrote, he wrote the foreword for the book and awesome. it was, it, I, it's funny cause he gets a lot of requests to write forwards for books. I would imagine and, so. And I'm the one who writes the forwards. So, um, for this one, he, he's like, yeah, he's like, I want to write my own for this. And I was like, okay. And he wrote it and turned it into the publisher without me knowing. And it was, it was the most incredible compliments and encouragements I could ever imagine. Just, he, he's so over the top, just encouraging and, and appreciative. And um, I, I'm just so fortunate to, to have someone like that um, be so affirming. Um, and so, yeah, we've just, our friendship and relationship and partnership has just, it's been incredible. Um, and he's impacted me. I'm sure I've impacted him, um, as, as he said in the forward and, and, yeah. and, and likewise. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been incredible. And, um, the conversations we're able to have because of the depth of friendship that we have, it's just, it's, it's really special. Fantastic. Well, short of calling the Seattle Seahawks switchboard, how do people reach you if they want to get a copy of the book? They want to just follow your story. They want to get updates on the movie as it starts going back into production. What's the best way for people to find you? Yeah, so I'm on social media. It's Ben Malcolmson. Uh, and then website is benmalcolmson.com. 
Um, and you can find all the information there on social media and would love to be in touch. Uh, and I know you reached out over LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn too. Yep. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you'll, you can find me anywhere there. And my name is pretty unique, Malcolmson. So you'll be able to find me. So, well, I know we have some mutual friends. You mentioned Jordan Moore who worked for me when I worked in minor league baseball. He was my radio guy. I guess you'd said that he replaced you in your assistant yeah. role, but more on the, on the, is it more on the social media side? Yeah, he, he took over all the online media stuff for USC and he's done he an incredible job. He's on basketball and he's on the sidelines doing SC football games. He's amazing. He's, yeah. a, he's a superstar. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And I know there's others as well that we know we can sit here and talk about that. And we'll do that another time. But, um, well, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for creating that story more than anything else. A lot of people wouldn't have the faith or the courage to walk on for the number one USC football team, number one. And then, um, I don't know if I'd have gotten the call the next morning saying you made the team, I might not even have gone to the football building. I <laughs> said, yeah, I'm not going to give Pete the opportunity to, to roast me, but uh, <laughs> you're, just, you're obviously a man of faith and you followed uh, God's promptings in your life. So I, I'd love to maybe in a next conversation, hear more about your upbringing and your folks and how that all came about. And we'll, we'll certainly talk about that, but um, we'll put in our notes for this podcast, all the ways that people can reach you, the link to your book, the link to your story. Uh, when the time comes for the movie, we'll certainly be, you know, our audience and myself will be leading the charge to go see that. I loved uh, I can only imagine that was one of my favorite movies, you know, so or not. So I know it's going to be well done. Any thought on who plays you in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, they got to find a, a 20 year old, 21 year old. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. Uh, but you I, still I look like you could be 20. So that could be 35 <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they need to find like a Disney star or something like that. So we'll, yeah. we'll get the, the kids involved with that decision. Well, I'm eager. It sounds like it'll be a fun little kind of sports movie too. So it'll be yeah. the sports crowd and the Christian crowd and, and everything. So well, then again, I, I, I could just sit here and talk to you all day. This is fun. I know a lot of listeners too probably don't want this conversation to end right now, but as you know, the, um, the name of the podcast from the heart, which, you know, my last name is heart. And so it didn't take me long to figure out what the name of my podcast should be. I've had a blog for a while of the same name. Um, I'm a big believer that if I wanted to hear your story, I could just click on Wikipedia or LinkedIn or Amazon and watch it and hear it. Um, but I'm more interested in, in getting to know the, the heart of people. So my final question that I always ask on every interview, and I'll just tee it up right here. In this moment, Ben Malcolmson, what's in your heart? Man, I, um, I love that question. I, I went for a run this morning and it was like, it's just a most beautiful day. It was 60 degrees, sunny, and the, you can see the mountains and the lake. Yeah, Seattle and, right now? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we get like one month of good weather a year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was so amazing. And it just, I, I've been thinking a lot and just dwelling a lot on just awareness and just being more aware um, because God is everywhere. You know, you start looking for him and you start seeing him. And so just that moment, it was just such a, a cool connection moment for me. Um, and it's really, it's, it was a great way to start the day. And here we are late into the morning as we're recording this. And I just, I feel just an overflow of that awareness and want more of that awareness. And I just keep pressing into just greater awareness. I just want more awareness of God, of the people around me, of what people are going through. And um, yeah, I think just that word awareness, I just want more of it because um, there's just such profound implications to that.